So hello George, this is Pastor Leo. I'm super excited because we have an outstanding and amazing speaker in the house, Johannes Hertel from Augsburg, Germany, from the prayer house. And Johannes, you're an outstanding speaker. The way you preach, the way you draw certain things, it's just outstanding, amazing. And God has given you a unique gift to communicate complex things in a very, very simple and practical way. And once a year, we have now a big conference with the mail conference or more with um, 10,000 people and even more and you have a, a passion to bring the gospel into the Catholic Church and you have seen people got healed, people got saved, people are transformed and thank you so much that you said yes to the invitation. And church, this is our culture. When we have a guest speaker, we get up and we give a big applause, we announce the speakers on the stage. Come on church, let's stand up and a tremendous, crazy, international, vibrant applause. Thank you so much. Good to be with you all. Such a privilege. I don't know who of you, who of you have been at um, the SAF conference last year. So some of you we met before. So I'm Johannes. I'm from Germany. You may be seated. Thank you so much. <laughs> you, you might remain, sta remain standing if you want, but you don't have to. So I'm from Germany. I'm leading that house of prayer. And I'm really happy to be here, especially happy to be part of that series on the voice of God, because actually this is like what the Lord was emphasizing for me personally for that year, to really make, make more space to listen to His voice. So this, this evening, I'm going to share about what the voice of God is, how we, how we can get better in um, making space for His voice in our life. So uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. You've been living up um, for a certain occasion. Let's say there is a big event, or you're moving from one place to, to another or a wedding, or a big project that you've been anxious about and nervous. And once that occasion comes, and once that occasion is over, or once that conference is over, once that special time of pressure is over, you suddenly realize that like all your energy drops, like suddenly all your strength is gone, like the vision is gone, and there is this emptiness, there is this void. Any, anyone ever been in a situation like that? I think it's a very normal, a very human situation, and there is one hero in the Bible, who's this, uh, we have a description in the Bible of a process like that, where he learns a lot through a crisis like that. And that's the first interesting thing, that it is oftentimes in times of crisis that we learn the most. You know, it's one thing to know that, but it's another thing to be reminded about that in a time where you yourself are in a crisis like that. See, who, who has ever been in a situation that, that was really feeling terrible, but looking back you'd say that this was a very important time of your life. Who would have said, all right, take a look around just to be encouraged. Because the thing is, whenever you are in a tough place, whenever you are in a situation, situation like that, it's very easy to forget that fact. It's, it's actually embarrassing, and it's a sad fact that it's not in the positive, not in the I'm okay time that we learn the most. It's oftentimes in the crisis that we learn the most. And actually... That's, that's one of the, 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 the facts I love about the Bible. The, the Bible doesn't tell us only the positive parts of, of the stories. It also gives us like the shadow times and the downsides. Because like what media do and what our pop culture does, it celebrates people, like it glorifies people, only showing them from the positive sides. And then everybody's shocked. Whoa, that person okay, has a downside. That person has a scandal. So 
all the newspapers are full about that. So the Bible is more realistic on that, in, in, in that regard. It gives, us, it, it gives us both. You know, we're all broken human beings, and God uses our brokenness, God uses times of crisis to, uh, to draw us deeper into reality, actually. So I'm going to tell you a story which we read about in the Bible in the first book of Kings about Elijah. So Elijah was, was one of those superheroes, right? He was a famous person. He was, uh, he was a prophet. And he was actually doing a great job turning the people of God, turning Israel back to God. And there was this one famous occasion, probably you heard about that. Like he, he was on Mount Carmel and fire fell, like fire fell from, from the sky, fell from heaven, and everybody was seeing, right, God is the only God. So everybody was shouting, God is the only God. So this was like his, his peak day. This was like his, his, his big success. And it's interesting that literally the next day, he was falling into, into, in, in, into a, a, a pit of depression and of anxiety and of frustration. And he was, he was running away, actually, into the desert, and we read about that. So, Elijah was afraid, so he got up and fled his life to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there, so that's in the desert, right? While he went a day's journey into the desert, he went and sat down under a shrub and asked the Lord to take his life. I mean, you're really in a bad place if you pray for death. You know, so, so what's your birthday wish? Uh, Death, please. <laughs> no, that's, that's actually a bad place to be. So, so that's what he's, he's, he's praying for. He said, I've had enough. Now, O Lord, o Lord, take my life. After all, I'm no better than my ancestors. Have you ever been in a place like that, feeling like I'm done, I, I want to quit, and I'm the worst of it all? So Elijah is in that situation. Elijah is in this place. The mighty, just take a moment, the mighty prophet of God had to undergo a crisis like that. And God knew that, and God allowed that. And then it's an interesting thing. He, he, he hadn't done anything wrong in a, in, in a big way. He wasn't you know, in sin. He wasn't compromising anything at all. But even doing good things, even doing positive things, even, even being active for the Lord, you can internally lose your way. It, it, it comes in... It comes in, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in a slow and hidden fashion, but he comes to a place where he realizes, I have no energy anymore. Like, the, the psychological term for that would be burnout. Like, he, he, lost his, he lost his strength, he lost his vision and his purpose, but this is not the end of the story. So, first, the interesting part is, God doesn't intervene right away. Like, as soon as he says that, like, his life is falling apart and all the vision is gone, it's not God jumps in and says, right, here's your energy back. You prayed. Yeah, well, actually, he prayed to die, you know. But he, 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 now, here's your energy back. Here's, here's your motivation back. The response of the Lord or the intervention of the Lord is actually slightly different. Like, let's, let's continue reading. So actually, an angel appears to him. So now the first thing is he falls asleep. Yeah, it's like you're really, he's really tired. He's, 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 he's extremely tired. And then the Lord's messenger, an angel, appears to him. So the Lord's angel, a messenger, came back and touched him again and said, get up and eat, for otherwise you won't be able to make the journey. So he got up and ate and drank. That meal gave him strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. 
So it's very interesting. So he's already in the desert. He's already sleeping and hiding in the desert. And an angel appears to him and gives him bread and water to go even deeper into the desert for 40 days. So that's quite a journey. It's very interesting. God doesn't intervene like, okay, it's gone. But he's actually, he, he makes him even wait 40 days longer in the desert. And he leads him to a certain place. If the Bible tells us like this was exactly on Mount Horeb, in the Bible, nothing is a coincidence. It's a, it's a precise description of a certain locale, a certain, a certain place. And this place is called Mount Horeb. Well, those of you who've read your Bible, what was in Horeb? What is Horeb known for? Anybody? Yeah, Ten Commandments, exactly. This is actually where the story of Israel and God all started. This is where Moses went up and he encountered God. So this, this is the place where it all started. It was the mountain of God. It was the place of encounter, God and man. But on the other hand, it, was a red, well, it is a desert place. It's an isolated place. Actually, the word Horeb, the name Horeb, means desolation. So this is like an absolute isolated place. It's interesting. God allows Elijah to even go deeper into that ugly spot, into that lonely spot, and makes him wait. Even then, he has to wait. It's very interesting. So the, sto the, the story continues, and you, all know, you probably all know the story that Elijah is in a cave. He hides in a cave on Mount Horeb. And then mighty things happen. Like there is a big storm. There's a raging fire outside. There's an earthquake. But God is not in all of those. But then something interesting happens. And the Hebrew word there says something like, there is like a whisper in the wind. There is this very silent, this very tender voice of God. And as soon as Elijah hears that, Elijah moves out of the cave and he encounters God, and he hears God's voice. And this is the turning point for him, this encounter with God's voice. After that, everything else, everything changes. So he steps out of his cave and encounters the voice of God. He has a fresh encounter with God, actually. And with that encounter, Everything within him is restored. So and then you, you probably heard the story. This is, this is, you know, God tells him, right, um, now get up, Elijah. What are you doing here? Get back. And you have fresh assignments. And actually, Elijah, he was complaining. He, he said, I, I, I am the la I'm last man standing. You know, I'm the only one left. And God says, no, to, to be corrected, 7,000 more. <laughs> you know, if you're really frustrated, you get those feelings. I'm the only one left. Right. So God opens his eyes, he gives him fresh perspective, and he shows him next steps, and there is new energy and new perspective. And this all comes from that encounter. So he gets out of his mountain cave, and suddenly there is this fresh encounter, there's the voice of God, and with the voice of God, there is, there is a new perspective, new horizons. So... Suddenly, perspective comes back. 
suddenly energy comes back and suddenly next steps become clear. And friends, a real perspective on your life, fresh energy from the inside, the clarity in the next steps, this all comes from the voice of God. This all comes only from the voice of God. This comes from a fresh encounter with God. And without that, well, you will lose your perspective, you will lose energy, and you won't have clarity on which steps to take next. I actually love the fact, Psalm 119, this is like a psalm which is only about the word of God or the voice of God. Um, the author of that psalm says, I collapse in the dirt. It's like a very graphic language. I collapse in the dirt. Revive me with your word. I love that fact that the word of God is something that's reviving. See, there's so many people who are afraid of God speaking. Because if I ask God, okay, right, what should I do with that relationship? What should I do in regards of money? What should I do with a job? What should I do with my family? Well, God might take away something, or God might threaten me, or God might, might make me do some things that are crazy. I, I have truth for you. He's the one who re revives. He's the one who gives life. He's not the taker. He's not the one who takes away life. There's one situation where Jesus says, you know, there's the enemy, and he tries to rob life. He tries to steal life. He tries to steal joy. I'm the one who gives life. Jesus is the one who, who, who wants you to live the most abundant, the most radical life, to be the most alive on the inside that you can be. So this is what he does. And in his voice, there is fresh life. So I want to talk to you about the qualities of his voice, how to discern his voice from other voices. And then in the second part, how can we grow in living according to his voice? All right? So first of all, it's very interesting, uh, very important to know, not every voice there is necessarily is the voice of God. See, there are people who think that every intuition that they have, every emotion that they have, every feeling that they have is something spiritual. And that's not true. There are certain qualities that are typical for the voice of God. And I want to look at four qualities of the voice of God with you by which you can pretty, pretty, pretty well discern uh, if God is speaking to you. You want to hear those? So, uh, Voice of God. Um, see, if I speak to my daughter, my daughter knows me, I have four kids actually, my daughter knows me, and by the tone of my voice, she can tell something about the mood I'm in, right? Because a voice not only transports information, but also emotions and relationship. It's the same with God. His voice carries uh, his his emotions and the way he is. So Paul, when speaking about the Holy Spirit, he says, if the Holy Spirit works, there's like fruits of the Spirit. It's like imagine a tree that has fruits, right? If you see a, a, an apple tree, that apple tree will produce apples, right? Because it's an apple tree. So in the same way, Paul says you can discern if it's the Holy Spirit doing something by fruits, Right? So he speaks about the fruits of the Spirit. It's in Galatians 5, and he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So whenever there is a stirring inside of you, whenever you have a thought inside of you, whenever you, 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 have, you have the idea you should do something, and that idea is connected with those things, like with joy, with peace, with, with security on the inside and all of that, that could be the voice of God. Because the voice of the enemy or the voice of your fears, even the voice of your own thinking, can't give you real peace, real security, real safety on the inside. So it's very important. I would say this first quality is the most important one, even if it sounds absolutely logical, it makes all sense of the world. If it doesn't carry peace, it's probably not God speaking. Because his voice always brings peace, peace even in those parts where he prompts you to do something that might frighten you. Have you ever realized that sometimes you read something or you know God is speaking to you and you're actually very afraid and you don't like what you read, you don't like what you hear, but still there's this peace that might very well be his voice. So in the Hebrew, shalom, peace, is more than only, well, peace, I'm okay, but it's more those, those different qualities. So I call this first characteristic, peace plus. So it, it's a peace, but with a, with a certain taste to it. It's like this joy and this, this, this internal security in that. So this is a first quality of the way God speaks. The second one is, see, God is never changing. Right? We are the ones who are changing. God is above time. So God doesn't change his opinion. We are oftentimes very reluctant to hear, but God continues speaking. Therefore, if there is a red threat in your life, if there has been many occasions where you got an impression or a Bible word or an idea, this is a possible sign that God is speaking as well. So I call that a red threat. And I mean by that, it's not a, you know, let's, let's say you have, you have the impression you should, you should go to a foreign country, move to another country, you know, or change your job or marry somebody. This most probably is not something that you wake up one morning and you have that crazy idea and you do it right away. And most of the times God doesn't speak like that. Most of the times it's like a series of little events and of little hints, and it all makes sense because it's a big red threat. This is a typical way how God speaks to us. So the third one is pretty much connected to that. God isn't changing. We are the ones changing, but God isn't changing his opinion. And this means wherever God speaks, it must be, in it must be um, fitting to what he says in the Bible. See, his written word and his spoken word come from the same origin. If I write a letter to my daughter, I'm the same person that also speaks to my daughter. So whenever you have a feeling that God is saying something and God is speaking, and this is, it's in contradiction to the Bible, you might doubt your intuition because God doesn't change his opinion. So and this also means the better you know his written word, the better you become in discerning his spoken word. So... This is the simple, the simple thing, Bible. If, you have, if an angel appears to you and says, God is not, 
It's not Trinity, it's not three, but it's four persons. It was like, no, that's crazy, yeah? So you need to know your Bible in order to make sure that you discern his voice well. And the fourth one also is very similar to that, and it's just, it's just confirmations. And by confirmations, I mean most of times God use, uses other people to confirm something. So if, let's say, you have the feeling you should marry that person and everybody else around you says that's a very bad idea, most probably it's a very bad idea, right? I mean, talking about spirit-filled persons, talking about people who love God, if you, if, if you believe, I'm called to start a new church, I'm called to do that new job, and everybody else who's also spirit-led says, no, don't do that, probably that's a dangerous sign, right? So bringing together all those four qualities gives you a pretty high certainty that this is actually the voice of God. So if you don't have that idea only once, but it, it keeps coming, you know, whenever you open the Bible, you read something in that direction, and somebody is saying something that touches your heart, and you're praying, and then this idea comes back. So there's a red thread. And whenever this idea or this picture, whatever it is, this Bible verse comes, there is this peace in your heart. If it's, you know, it's fitting together with the Bible, it's in the same direction, and it's other people confirming, I'd say you have like a 95% certainty that uh, it's the voice of God. You'll never have a 100% certainty because we prophesy in part. So we are still, we are fallible human beings. So there's still room for mistakes, which is okay. We are all trainees, okay? But with those characteristics, you can become better in discerning the voice of God, right? So let's look at how in a practical, normal life can we grow in listening God's voice to actually hearing what he has to say, like practical steps in growing, growing in listening. I'm going to call it growing in listening. Because again, even being active for God, even living a good life, even being busy in your job and in your family and everything like that, you, you can get trapped over time in something which is, which is not 100% the will of God. And God allows that. Sometimes we, we have to face a crisis to realize, well, I, I haven't been asking for God's direction. I haven't been listening to his voice for a long time. It's actually the way we are. And, uh, but we, we don't have to end like that. We don't have to stay there. We can come back to the voice of God all the time. The first thing is, See, yes, uh, yesterday, I was spending a good hour with my daughter, Anna. I have four kids, and from time to time, they have their special private time, just daddy and daughter, or just daddy and son. And my daughter, Anna, she's not the one in our family who speaks the most. So she's, she's not talking all the time, but it's funny. As soon as we went into the car and the door was closed, and we were just the two of us, she started talking, talking, talking like a waterfall. Yeah, who of you has kids who are like that? <laughs> yeah, or a spouse. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I found that interesting. For the whole hour, she, she was just talking, 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 and you know, sharing her heart with me. It was precious, and I was, <laughs> I was intrigued. It was interesting because uh, I felt as soon as I made space for that, she started talking. And actually, it's the same with God. 
He isn't, he isn't reluctant to speak. He's not unwilling to communicate. It's us who don't make space oftentimes. And you have to understand, we are disciples of Jesus, right? We try to imitate Jesus. And Jesus, even being one with the Father and really being a pro in listening to God's voice, he still needed time to get away. So, so, so we read about that many occasions in the Bible, um, in, in, in the Gospels like that. When Jesus heard this, he went away from, the, uh, uh, from there privately in a boat to an isolated place. Actually like Elijah, but he did that voluntarily without having a burnout before. So, and he had to withdraw. And you need to withdraw from time to time. You need from time to time to go to an isolated place to make space for the voice of God. So this is my first tip. This is my first advice out of four, which is simple. Make space. Is there, is there an hour in a week or a half an hour in a day? Is there one day in a month? Is there one week per year? Is there space in your life that you're actually making free to, for God to speak? Sometimes, we, sometimes all we need is to just, you know, tune down a little bit and go to an isolated place and wait for the voice of God. So... This is the first advice that I give you. Make space. Second advice, I ask you now to close your eyes for a moment, a little experiment, and make your right hand to a fist, like a strong fist, right? So just for a moment, concentrate on the feeling in that fist. So how you feel that fist. Can you feel that? All right, you can open your eyes again and stop doing, doing this. Uh, okay, question. How is your left leg feeling right now? Oh. <laughs> you weren't concentrating on your left leg, right? You were concentrating on your fist. You didn't realize how your left leg was doing, right? True? Okay. Whatever, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a simple, simple thing. Whatever you focus on, you get revelation about. Yes. Whatever you focus on, you get information about. Yes, right? right? It's, it's, e it's easy. So Jesus says like, well, ask and you will receive. Knock and it will be open to you. So the simple thing is God is speaking, but most of the times we're just, not, we're just not listening. We're just not focusing. So my second advice is very easy. It's just ask for it in a precise manner. Like ask him to speak and not just generally Ask him to speak, not just generally, but about a certain topic. May I ask you, just before an important meeting, just before an important thing in your job or a crisis situation with your friend or whatever, do, do, do you make time and actually ask God to speak to me? Do you do that? If not, well, he's not, he's not somebody who's... who's, 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 who's He's pushing himself on you. He's not. But if we say that, ask him to speak. Be honest to yourself and ask yourself one question. Are you even willing to listen? Because he's a gentleman. He's not the one, if you're ready or not, I'm going to push my answer into your head. He's, he's not doing that. He's not doing that. So sometimes we have those closed doors in our heart where we say, 
actually, I'm doing my own thing. I don't even want to know your opinion about that, God. And let's be honest, from time to time, we are like that. And God is more gracious and more patient than we think. I tell you a secret. Sometimes God doesn't speak to you because you know, he knows that you're not ready for the answer yet. So he's patiently waiting. And maybe after two months, you're so frustrated. <laughs> you are so, you're so done with your own ways. You say, God, I'm quitting, okay? I'm giving up. I'm surrendering. And then he says, all right, now you can have my answer that you weren't ready for before. So ask yourself, am I even willing to listen? But if you are, ask him to speak in that situation. Honestly, I have never heard him speak to me without giving hope and peace. You know, even, even in situations where he really prompted me to do something that cost me, it was always, there was joy, there was life. He's so much better than we think. You can really trust him. You can really ask him to speak precisely. And he will. But you also need to wait for an answer. And this is the third advice. Sometimes we just ask him to speak, but then we just go on with our lives. Wait for the answer, that's important because that answer might look different than you think. Sometimes we believe the voice of God is always an angel appearing or something very extraordinary. But like in a couple, like I communicate with my wife in a special way that only I communicate with her. It's like very private. So I cannot tell how God is speaking to you because he has a love language and he has a certain way of communicating with you personally. It's a very intimate, very beautiful thing. And he might use all sorts of things. He might use nature, he might use a Bible verse, he might use a dream, he might use an advice of a friend, he might use a picture that you get. Whatever it is, if you ask God to speak, just within the next two or three weeks, just be ready to receive that answer. And have an open eye to, to see, okay, God, in which way are you going to speak? Honestly, I've seen God speaking in so different ways. Like a friend telling me something, and then I see something similar in the movie the next day, and then I read the Bible the next day. It's, it's all coming together. Who's ever had something like that? Like very different pieces coming together. He will have a language uh, that you can understand because he's a good communicator. We are not good listener oftentimes, but he's a good communicator. So he's able to speak to you in a precise way if you're willing to listen, and he's very patient if you're not willing to listen. He's a good father. Last thing, that what actually restored Elijah's energy and gave him fresh perspective was not only a word. It was not only an information. We don't believe in holy books falling from the sky. It's like, okay, you have the information. But we believe in a God of encounter. So Horeb was the place where Moses encountered God. And what's Elijah, what, what set back Elijah on the right track was more than a word, it was an encounter. It's very important. More important than the information that you get is the person that you meet. So I want to encourage you to simply seek 
His presence more than the answers. It's very important. See, there is, in the Bible, there is this guy called um, um, Job. He had really a series of tragedies happening in his life, and he was actually accusing God. He was, God, why are you doing that? You know, I'm serving you, and I have all these tra tragedies coming my way. And at the end of the story, he doesn't get an answer. But he meets God. And in that personal encounter, like all those, those questions, they lose weight. And sometimes, sometimes there are no answers. But sometimes there's peace. And that peace is all you need, and that peace surpasses your understanding. It's like, sometimes there are answers, but sometimes the Lord will, will, will tell you, see, there are, there are crises, there are things like, like the tragic death of somebody, you know? And we ask God, why? But that answer, uh, that question, why, is going nowhere. Because at the end of the day, there is so many suffering in that world that doesn't have a simple solution or like an answer. And I tell you something that's really sustaining you through your whole life. It's not the answers to all the why questions. It's His presence and it's His, it's the encounter with Him, really. And if we seek His presence first, all else falls into place. Actually, I believe that this is what's the whole story of Martha and Mary all about, you know? There was this Martha, she was so busy. She was doing all those things like pizza, you know, and salad, ah, well, Coke for those guys, and she was so busy, you know? And then Jesus says to you, you are so busy. You are full of sorrows. You're doing all this stuff. And then there was the sister, she was Mary. And Mary was just listening. She was just sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus was actually saying, she has chosen the better part. Well, why has she chosen the better part? What's the problem of Martha? What was wrong? I mean, she was doing good things. But even doing good things, you can get lost. Being busy, even for the Lord, you can get lost internally. You know why? I tell you a secret. The pizza that Martha was preparing Jesus had never ordered it. We don't even read that he was hungry. He never asked for it. She never took time to ask him if he was even willing to eat, if he was even hungry. And honestly, sometimes we're exactly like that. And I tell you something, if we put his presence first, all else fall in place. And if we don't put that on the first place. Everything else will be activism and stressful. Martha, Martha, you are so troubled by so many things. So seek his presence first. This is the, first, the fourth advice. Seek his presence first. So this is even more important than the answers that you might get. Again, a story of, life, of Jesus' life. Jesus was persecuted by many people and there was one occasion where they tried to arrest him. There were sev several occasions like that. It's interesting how Jesus reacted in a stressful situation like that. Then they attempted to, again, to seize him, but he has to arrest him, but he escaped the crutches. Jesus went back across the Jordan River again to the place where John had been baptizing at an earlier time and he stayed there. It's interesting, in a stressful situation, Jesus is withdrawing. He's going back 
to the, de to the desert. He's going back to the place where it all started. And you know what? John baptized at the River Jordan, but you know whom John baptized? He baptized Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, there was a special situation because heaven tore open and uh, a voice came down. And that voice said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And this is what gave Jesus the perspective and the energy and the vision and the focus for his whole life. So even Jesus had to come back to that place to seek the presence of the Father. Maybe, maybe you're in a place like that. Sometimes we are in a place like that. And we have to withdraw from all the traffic, make space for the voice of God, actually ask Him, Lord, tell me again, what's my life all about? Waiting for answers. Sometimes that answer will take time, you know? Elijah had to wait for 40 days and then three more days. Sometimes we need to wait. Sometimes we need to seek His presence first. But His voice, you are my beloved son, I love you. This is what sustains you over the, over the years. This is what sustains you from the inside. It's not the activism. It's not even human beings that in the long haul will sustain you. So I invite you to stand up because possibly some of us, I personally, definitely, possibly some of us have kind of lost track a little bit with the voice of God. That's just normal because life is busy, life goes on. So we invite you to an experiment to just be quiet for one minute. And we just allow the Lord to speak to us and to yeah, show his love to us. And we don't have to pressurize that. We don't have to make that happen. We just make space. So let's just be silent for a good minute. And then we finish up in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much that you're a God who communicates, that you are the God who is in the here and now. You are not far away. And whenever we are far away, there's always a chance to come back. You're the good shepherd of our soul. And Lord, we want to grow in our ability and willingness to abide in your word and to listen to your voice. Lord, teach us in our everyday life, to not just run around busy like Martha, 
but to actually take time to listen, to stay close to your heart, to live from the inside to the outside. You're the giver of life. You give life and fullness. We want to learn from you, Jesus. We want to follow your voice, Jesus. Let's just worship him. Sometimes I wonder when everything fails and fades away, what does remain? Why do we come to this place from near and far? Because at the end of the day, there is nothing else that remains. What would it look like to face the consequences of something so radical? What would it actually look like to follow Jesus? Friendships may fail, heroes may fail, eventually riches turn worthless. He stirs a thirst for truth, compassion and love. Nothing that this earth could ever quench. What is it that we can truly build our lives and hope on? There is one thing and one thing only when it's all said and done. He alone is our solid rock, our center and our foundation.